What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another daily live stream. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Today is November 7th, 7 11, 2022. So we kind of skipped over the 5th of November. Remember, remember the 5th of November. And we used the Guy Fox mask for FedWatch. And nobody even said anything about it. But yeah, um, so we are in November and getting to the end of the year. Some of my predictions are coming true. Some aren't. We're going to go through some of that here today. We're also going to go through um, what I'm writing for the newsletter this week. So if you guys are not subscribed to the newsletter, go to BitcoinAndMarkets.com. Sign up for the free weekly newsletter. comes out every Monday now. And in there, uh, kind of trying something different. I'm doing just like real brief news headlines with very little commentary up front, more extensive kind of price section, mining news, lightning news, things of that nature. So trying to switch up the format a little bit and we'll see how that goes. All right. So let's start with the charts. So Bitcoin is, I mean, it's struggling. A little bit, $20,706 on Bitstamp right now. Um, a few of the charts that I have on this week's newsletter, I can throw in the, the Telegram group. So I look at a few things. The hourly chart I take a look at, and that is the, you know, the double fake out that we had after the FOMC last week rallied up uh, to over 21,000. And just this weekend, it was just very boring market. There's not much going on. Uh, it seems like everybody's holding their breath for the next leg of whatever market turmoil that we're going to experience. Perhaps there's a holding of the breath before the midterm elections, because that's a real big thing coming up this week. And I actually have to add that to my macro section of headlines because um, I do think that's going to be a pretty big uh, market mover. That's going to be a pretty big market mover in my opinion. Uh, some of the worst type of legislation, like we saw this Inflation Reduction Act, which, uh, you know, was not, not <laughs> didn't really have anything to do with inflation. It was just a pork bill, um, an excuse to do some ESG and other things. So, uh, things like that will not get passed in the next two years. It will make Biden, the globalist, pretty much a lame duck president for the rest of his term. If not, go down the, the road of uh, Article 25 or some sort of impeachment process. Um, maybe there will be some congressional committees on, say, the Hunter laptop, on the FBI calling parents domestic terrorists, you know, there, there's a lot that can happen in the next two years driven by a Republican Congress. And I think that's, it's going to be interesting to see how the markets tomorrow and the rest of the week, how they price in a big red wave. Um, I think it will tend to be more positive than negative because right now, you know, what the just from a nonpartisan perspective, you know, what do the globalists and the Democrats, what are they offering right now? They're offering ESG. They're offering 
restrictions on oil and gas. They're offering sanctions. They're offering uh, continued warfare, trade wars. I mean, not even getting into the social aspect, just looking at the economic policy. It's a it's a disastrous economic policy. And a move, a red wave that really portends the 2024 presidential election away from the, these destructive globalist policies. I think that will be interpreted quite bullishly. So we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. But, um, okay, let's, uh, I was going to talk about some of the price, but I'm, I'm going to do that later. I'm going to start with the um, headlines. So this, there is some big stuff going on, okay? Not only in the mining side of the house, in, in the Bitcoin mining side, we see a bunch of people having issues. Um, Argos, who who were the other ones? Um, oh, God. Who are the other big names in the mining sector that were having troubles last week that I wrote about? Um, I can't remember the names now off the top of my head, but most of them are trailing down. Like some of their these publicly traded uh, miners are down over 90% on the year. I mean, it's crazy how how badly the if, – if you had like a mi- Bitcoin mining ETF that had all these public Bitcoin miners, I mean, it would be down – probably 80% um, for the year. And that's just crazy to me um, how that's happened. But uh, on top of that, there is now this kind of drama going on between CZ and Sam Bankman fried. I think that's how you say his name, Sam Bankman from FTX. And it, you know, he is not only the founder and owner of FTX, one of the largest Bitcoin exchanges, he is also founder of this Alameda Research Fund, one of the largest crypto, quote unquote, crypto funds. And um, he also was a big, he was one of these big players that bailed out a lot of stuff going on around consensus, uh, Celsius and Luna earlier this year. Well, now it's coming back towards FTX and it turns out that Alameda Research, this big crypto fund, might be insolvent. Because they hold such a huge portion of this, the FTX token that they can't really sell. And they hold a bunch of other like non-convertible type uh, assets, you know, illiquid assets. So they could be technically insolvent if bad things happen. And this kind of started leaking out and people are turning away now from FTX. Um, It looked like their Bitcoin balance shrank by 47% over the last 24 hours. That is crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So this could expose, you know, some um, nefarious stuff that this Sam Bankman is doing. And he had a recent interview with Eric Voorhees, who is not the picture of, you know, Bitcoin virtue or anything, but um, uh, Sam Bankman could not say why, like, he's like, oh, yeah, we need to have KYC for these types of financial transactions. And and Eric Voorhees asked him, well, what if we needed, like, KYC for emails? You know, it would just 
destroy emails. The how is this different? This is just ones and zeros. You know, we're not actually sending money. We're sending ones and zeros. It's a message. Now, why would you need to KYC for messages? And Sam Bankman couldn't couldn't answer it. I mean, he tried to fumble around it, but uh, he couldn't really answer it. And now it looks like both of his large things that he's doing in the space, Alameda Research and FTX, they could be facing some insolvency. So what does that say about the market in general? Well, we could be looking at another type of sell-off. Um, some people were talking about Solana is down like 15%. And it could be that you know Alameda or FTX, one of the two, are selling some of their other coins to prop up their FTT token. It also turned out now that CZ from Binance, he's liquidating. This is what his tweet said. Liquidating our FTT is just post-exit risk management. Learning from Luna. We gave support before, but we won't pretend to make love after divorce. We are not against anyone, but we won't support people who lobby against other industry players behind their backs. Onwards. So there is not only in this one tweet talking about liquidating their FTT tokens, but also that apparently Sam Bankman is going behind people's backs and cozying up with regulators. That's what's implied here. Very, very interesting stuff happening. Um, so we'll see. This could be just really put pressure on a lot of the altcoins because these FTX and Alameda will sell these altcoins to prop up their FTT token where I don't think they would necessarily sell their Bitcoin, but it could get to that point, right? It could get that bad. Um, other players might hold a lot of Solana and to prop themselves up, then they will liquidate some of their Bitcoin. So you, you this has a contagion effect. Uh, but so far, Bitcoin, looking at the chart, is not really affected. It's sitting at 20,700, right? When we started this stream. So we'll see how that develops. There's also a big thing going on in Bitcoin land, kind of more in the trenches of the Bitcoin space. And this is the new upgrade to Bitcoin Core. I think it's 0.24 is the new software version. And it's going with replaced by free, uh, replaced by fee as a default versus you know, um, an option that you can use. And there's a lot of controversy around this. I mean, almost there wasn't really until John Carvalho, at least this is what I followed from the, this controversy, John Carvalho, he's been in the space for a long time, Bitcoin error log. Um, I would say back, I started noticing his content back in 2015 or 16 He's been around doing different things in the space, probably started a handful of businesses, worked for a handful of businesses. So he's really been around and he, he has a pretty good grasp of what's going on, but he's always really tended towards uh, like, I guess he's tended towards point of sale on chain Bitcoin, not even point of sale lightning, but point of sale on-chain Bitcoin. And he's had some other um, firmly held positions, but uh, that's the one that I, I kind of know him for. And now as this replaced by fee gets into a default position, he doesn't really like it. And he says, this is an attack on Bitcoin. So his tweet the other day said, a subset of core developers are currently trying to attack Bitcoin 
by forcing a pet agenda to make all transactions replaced by fee by default. This attack includes Bitcoin dev mailing list lies and lobbying, code changes in core node, and bribery attempts to miners. Well, Peter Todd has also come out, uh, and I, I actually, Peter Todd is probably one of those people that I never will question his motives. I don't know why, but it's he's up there in the short list to be Satoshi. He was very young when Bitcoin came out, but uh, he was on, he was sending Satoshi like emails in the very first days of Bitcoin. Um, but anyway, he said he came up with replaced by fee back in 2014. And there's always been controversy around it, mainly around the zero conf stuff. So you guys probably all know what zero confirmation is. And, uh, I trying to see what I wrote here earlier this morning. So with a lot of point of sale, people use zero conf because it in, makes the point of sale experience better, right? If you can go up there, pay with on-chain Bitcoin, you can see that the transaction gets into the mempool and it has been sent, but not confirmed yet. And then you can let that person walk away or you can, finalize a transaction, say, on the website or whatever the case is. Um, but if you make it replaced by replaced by fee by default, then that puts that point of sale use case at risk. And that's why John Carvalho is, really hates this because he's more of a point of sale person. Um, but of course, that's what Lightning is used for now. So I really don't think this is, to me, this is not a big deal. But to some people it is, so I had to put it into into the newsletter because it is something that's socially deep within Bitcoin that I think has consequences. And if people are, that are reading this newsletter, you know, want to dive down the rabbit hole, I do include a few links to Optech newsletter and other resources that you can um, use to go a little bit deeper into this. All right, what else? Let me scroll down. All right, I put a bunch of charts in for the price and the headwinds I have this week are the dollar. And I think I do a pretty good job showing this newer, new higher range that I'm looking for. You guys saw on Telegram this morning, I put this pink line in there. What I did was I copied from the top in to March of 2015 for one year. And then I just moved that to today, like to the top that we had just a few weeks ago and show the new higher range that I'm kind of expecting. So it looks really good. We'll see if that <laughs> plays out. Of course, it's not going to play out exactly, but it, you get the idea that there will be this new higher range that, that the dollar will find itself in. Uh, so if that's the case, you know, the, the conclusion from that, from the dollar finding a new range is that this intense dollar shortage condition will not you know be there um so that will give bitcoin an opportunity to rise it'll give the stock market an opportunity to rise uh, because this acute dollar shortage is now alleviated to a high degree it won't ever turn into a dollar surplus you know the, the overriding pressure will always be 
towards a deflationary collapse, a credit collapse. And so we can get into a, a new higher range for a couple of years where we have kind of a status quo, but we're not going to, the dollar isn't going to crash, uh, or at least DXY is not going to crash. So anyway, I thought that was important to point out the stock market. It's interesting that the stock market, the S&P 500 specifically is below the 50 day and the 100 day moving averages where Bitcoin is above both of those. Um, now this is on the actual, um, you know, trading times. This is not with the futures contract. So I wonder now I'm questioning myself if with the futures contracts, if it would be above those two, but anyway, right now on this chart that I'm including of the SPX on trading view, it's below both the 50 and the 100 day where Bitcoin is above both of those. So that is definitely a decoupling. It is definitely something to pay attention to, which is correct. Is Bitcoin more correct or the stock market more correct? Um, and is that the way to look at it? Perhaps there is a decoupling coming. Stocks will trend sideways or down and Bitcoin will trend up. I mean, that's also a possibility. I think that's less likely of a possibility, but it is definitely out there. So um, just an interesting decoupling right there. I also show the three-month 10-year inversion. And we are now uninverted on the three-month 10-year. It didn't go very deep and it, you know, popped right back up. So I kind of think that this might be akin to like it's going to get worse but it's it's akin to the time back about april of 2019 when it first initially inverted then it came back out and it stayed above for about a month of you know a positive spread and then it dipped back down into inversion again so we'll see if that is the case also cpi has come out so these are all things that affect the price okay so CPI has come out and or is coming out this week. And the expectation right now from the Cleveland Fed CPI now cast is 0.76% month on month, which does come out to be, I believe, 9.1%. I, I did that this morning, 9.1% uh, annualized for this month uh, for October. Now, the main portion of that increase is going to be from housing. I can guarantee you that. So we'll see most of the index being flat around zero, maybe slightly above zero. But housing, since it's such a lagging indicator, housing is still going to maintain a high reading. And since housing is part of core, core will also be high, uh, core CPI. If that's not the case, I'm trying to think like, because a lot of my stuff has been predicated on CPI slowing down. And I think CPI has slowed down if you take out the housing aspect last month. Um, so that would be September. Uh, a huge percentage of the rise was housing. I think if you took housing out, it would actually have been negative. I'm not sure on that, but I think I remember... Um, calculating that, um, which is a pretty big deal. And it might be the same this week. I mean, what if housing is 1% and 
you know, provides the 1% towards the CPI, but it only comes in at 0.75%, then that means the rest of the CPI was actually negative. So it's how you look at this, right? It's, it's definitely how you look at it. Also, I wanted to point out here that uh, there's a lot being said recently about the housing market. And of course, the housing market has to do a lot with how money is actually printed these days, right? A lot of people, of course, will tell you that the Fed prints money or the government prints money, but it really, it's the banking sector that prints money in the process of making a loan. And if fewer people are taking out home mortgages by a significant amount, I mean, it was something like down 50% last month in new origination, home loan origination. So if that's the case, that means that money printing is diving off of a cliff. And what happens when money printing falls? Yeah, deflationary pressure wins. So that really, the the more pressure you get in the housing market, that is a deflationary pressure. Very, uh, you know, direct deflationary pressure. So uh, I'll be watching that and reporting on that too. Okay, that's all I have for the today's report so far. I'm still in the process of writing it. And I'm going to open it up now on Telegram. If you guys have any topics you want to talk about, any questions you have, uh, just raise your hand and hop on the mic. While we're waiting for that, uh, just an admin note, uh, go to BitcoinMarkets.com, sign up for the free weekly newsletter. You can find me on Twitter and on Telegram, of course, t.me for slash Bitcoin and Markets for our community. Um, what else? I'm pu- publishing these on my podcast feed and on Rumble. So if you guys are listening there, give it a like, subscribe, join the Telegram, follow me on Twitter, all that good stuff. Nothing. All right. Well, let's. Um, I'm going to do a quick survey of the headlines while we're waiting for that. I mean, Biden made this huge gaffe yesterday. No more drilling. We're not going to drill anymore. I mean, how long is that going to last when we have a uh, you know, Republican Congress. I think there's going to be some big fights going on on the energy front. That's very representative of this deglobalization and energy security. I mean, that's, I just listened to a Hidden, Hidden Forces episode. If you guys don't know uh, that podcast, check out Hidden Forces podcast. But um, he had two, like, it's they sounded like government advisors to climate. They were, of course, from Harvard and Columbia. They had some long titles about environment or something like that. And they're just like, how can we centrally plan this? What's the best way to centrally plan moving to a ESG future, a globalist future, a green future and all this stuff? Well, I mean, it's just extremely frustrating. Dimitri, the main host, didn't push back on a lot of this stuff. And I'm like, man, uh, these people just, (laughs) they think they're going to destroy the economy. They think they're going to be able to do this, but uh, they're going to about to get a wake up call tomorrow, I think. All right. Let's, uh, oh my goodness. Lotto madness sweeps across America as Powerball jackpot hits 1.9 billion. Holy crap. 1.9 1.9 billion? <laughs> oh man. 
I I never played a I never play Powerball except when it when I see a headline like this, 1.9 billion, I better buy one ticket, guys. I, are you guys playing the lottery this weekend or this week? Anyway, no no questions. I'm still waiting to see if anybody has a question, you can raise your hand. Going through a few more headlines here. Um okay, well this is kind of an important one. The White House held secret talks with Putin aides to avert U.S.-Russia war. The White House has reportedly held secretive behind-the-scenes dialogue with the Kremlin related to the war in Ukraine. The Wall Street Journal revealed on Sunday, citing unnamed U.S. and allied officials. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan spearheaded the secret talks with high-level Russian officials in recent months, reportedly with the aim of reducing the risk of the two nuclear armed superpowers stumbling into a direct broader conflict. Well, there is an extension of this conflict and that is in Haiti. And I posted about this in telegram. So it appears that the, the Clinton installed leader in Haiti, there was a populist uprising against him and they took control of some of the fuel depots, I guess, or fuel storage facilities on the island. And they were, I don't know if they were requiring or wanted new elections or if they just wanted the guy to step down or or what exactly the demands were, but this, it was a popular uprising. And the U.S., of course, doesn't like that. They like their puppet government down there. And so they are providing arms for the, the government to retake this, these oil storage, this oil storage facility. Well, in the meantime, also Russian ships picked up some diesel or some fuel from Venezuela and now are docked in Haiti as well. So it looks like there are conflicting sides here to this this struggle where the U.S. is sending in Humvees and probably some man pads and some weapons. Uh, Russia is sending in oil, and I think this is kind of an important uh, glimpse of the two sides of these conflicts right now okay let's see anybody raising their hand all right well i'm just going to cut it there guys so happy monday hope you guys have a great week ahead and i will see you tomorrow bye